welcome to another episode of the Fluency Matters Podcast. Michelle Kent and I are really pleased to be here with you today with our special guest, Ben Tinsley. And um, Ben is Ben actually is going to be um, joining us at the conference in a dual role. Um, ben is going to be both the French language lab teacher as well as a keynote speaker. So Ben, thank you so much for being with us today. We're really excited to talk with you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So it's a pleasure. Yes. So we were just so thrilled that you agreed to join us for our conference. And I'm super excited to actually be able to see you teach because I've heard you speak a few times and I love your your whole outlook and philosophy on teaching and just your sense of responsibility for introducing students to things that they may not have been introduced to by another teacher. So um, I'm really excited to see how you put that into practice. So yeah. I guess what I'm, what I'm hoping you will do to start us out is just tell us a little bit about your philosophy, your approach to the, to the classroom. Yeah, so, I mean, my teaching philosophy, I think the best way I could describe it is that it's evolving. Um, mm -hmm. But that evolution is sort of driven by the idea that, like, the best, some of the best things that we can do for our students is to model lifelong learning, that mm -hmm. we are continually growing. And, like, if I have an MED at the end of my name, it doesn't mean that I'm done, right? And so with that, it's like so much of what I do each year, kind of, in which each class evolves and changes and adapts to the group of kids that I have. And what I've learned over the years, because for the longest time, I'd sort of beat myself up for that, wanting to like do the same thing and figure out how it could all make sense. But the more I've learned about the craft of teaching, the more I realize that, you know, that's what culturally responsive teaching can look like, is that mm -hmm. it's going to change according to who's in your room. It's going to change according mm -hmm. to what I now know and what the needs of a kid in 2023 are versus what that was in 2008 15 year olds are very different right so oh so yeah. there's that piece about you know so i'm sorry i don't mean to keep rambling but you got me started no that's um, why you're here <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so there's that piece about like centering the students who are in the class and making sure that they are that this is their learning in a concrete way it's like i talk a lot about the the actual proficiency can do statements and like so much of those, if you look at the wording, it talks about them being able to speak about familiar topics. It's like, well, what's a familiar topic for these kids if, mm -hmm. if I don't ask them, right? If I don't give them right. a chance to speak about what it is to them. Um, so that's that part about centering those kids. But the other piece is about that two-way sort of windows mirror, that bridge that goes in two directions and making sure that what we're doing in our class is really preparing these kids, not just for the world as it exists, but preparing them to do something with what they gain in our class to sort of address some of the issues in the 21st century, right? To address some of these that. issues mm -hmm. that they, you know? And mm -hmm. one of those issues is the marginalization of peoples. And so I, as a student, whether it be in language class or otherwise, like I didn't see myself in a lot of classes. Um, mm -hmm. And as a teacher, even when I started, I just, mm -hmm. here's what, you know, what, uh, what, what, Pearson decided, whatever, I don't know. Here's what this textbook decided is what we're going to teach, and I'm just going to push that, sort of. And um, mm -hmm. realizing that through that, 
these kids are getting someone else's uh, version of what culture means, you know, someone else's mm -hmm. decision. And I don't know that that's informed by like the same sort of justice idea. So um, that other piece has been, it's been super intentional for me to center black and brown people and other historically marginalized people in my classroom. So bridging that piece between centering students and um, centering the cultural practices and products of, of black and brown people and historically marginalized people in the classroom. And I'm curious, what? how do your students respond to these efforts that you make in your classroom? Are, do you get feedback from your students in terms of, do, do you see that they see themselves represented? I do, I do. So um, the vast majority of kids really appreciate it. Um, mm -hmm. And I should say also, right now I teach in a, in a setting in which the, most of my students are not black or brown, don't identify as black or brown. Mm -hmm. And so there's value there too, right? For kids yeah. who don't identify, right. um, and so for them to see the cultural connections, the underlying common cultural values that they share with people who are otherwise othered, right? Um, yeah. So most kids respond really well to it, that they see that they're learning, um, that they're learning from different people that they're learning more about themselves and all that and the short the small handful of kids that i have that are black and brown kids for them to see themselves you know that's i get a lot of feedback from parents about that mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. yeah that said though you know there's always pushback part of part of the challenge with anything that's that's justice oriented like it wouldn't be a movement there would be no civil rights right. movement if everybody was on board <laughs> right like it, like by definition, it's going against something. It's subverting something. So I, mm -hmm. I have had a lot of people that, whether they're pushing back against the justice piece and and you know characterizing it as like reverse racism or something like that or whatever CRT, mm -hmm. right. but there's also the folks who are like, yo, where are the conjugation charts? Where is the <laughs> long list of vocab and all that? So mm -hmm. you know, not everybody has has converted and and you know the people pleaser in me wants everyone to love my class and all that but right. I also get that not everything you know it doesn't always land with folks and that there's a community education piece that needs to happen at the same time mm -hmm. you know so how do you handle that when you have pushback let's say from parents what what advice would you give to a teacher that is trying to teach from a different type of lens teach from a more justice-centered lens what do you do when you get that pushback yeah, I mean, I do what I want. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so do what you want. Um, I mean, I talk about this a lot in workshops, too. It's like there's just risk. There's inherent risk in everything that we do and all the choices that we make. And we have mm -hmm. decisions. It's not always this binary, but the risk in not doing this work is to continue and perpetuate that marginalization of people, right? Mm -hmm. And to feed into this, like, these systems that have oppressed. Um, and... The risk on the other end is like, you know, I'm a black cisgender man. Um, and so those risks of me taking on that work carry a certain amount of weight. And I should not be the only person carrying that weight. Mm -hmm. And so for the other people, I mean, I think I'm one of like, in all the conferences that I've been to, I don't know how many other black American, especially black American male teachers mm -hmm. I've met. Um, and this work just can't fall on all of us. So knowing that 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 burden is when it's shared and we're all sort of doing the work, 
that the the you know the target isn't on one person's back and we're not one person isn't taking all those arrows but that's sort of what the work is the work is mm -hmm. inherently risky the work is going to be people pushing back but that's where the rubber meets the road right like that's where we kind of have to do it and we have to do it for the sake of our students we also have to do it for the sake of our colleagues who are carrying all of that you know both as historically marginalized people ourselves but also mm -hmm. as the teachers and the people in this community who are trying to push this work forward. So can I cycle back to something that you said earlier that I really connected with? Um, this, the idea of talking about familiar topics with students. Mm -hmm. So um, on Twitter this fall, one you posted something about uh -oh. a, um, these <laughs> candy bars that like yeah. you put in a bracket <laughs> you know i have yeah. to say that i thought to myself well i'm gonna try this with sixth grade this was like what october so it wasn't too it, brand new kids it it landed it was amazing yeah I, you know i gave them two or three phrases to use a couple yep. things to argue about and man did they just it go to off. town it, totally in the target language super fun yep. i was like mm -hmm. okay all right so i'm always on the lookout for the things i think you might have done did you do cereal i don't know there was something that that you used to that you you know get the kids chatting and arguing about which is super great yeah so, mm -hmm. they love talking about their opinions about you know Oh, it was French fries, wasn't it? Or or yeah, what what fast food place? It was fast yes. food places, but where you can get the best French fries? Like they I've done that, that, that too, and it's they love it. They love that, and love you're it. right. You know that these things are familiar to them, and they are things that they want to express. And then yeah. right there, you have this great, great model. So when you come to the conference this summer, what are you looking forward to with this language lab thing? I kind of feel like this might be your first time doing something like this. Is that correct? And what are you it, looking forward to? It is not the first time I've done, I've done um, like fishbowl language lab okay. things before. And it's always been great. I think again, knowing that there's only so much planning that can happen. Um, yeah. There is of course planning that can happen, but so much of it is about the room. So much of it is about the students and getting to know who they are and getting to know what they're, you know, proficiency levels are, and what are some reasonable expectations in terms of outcomes and all that. Um, you know, I can't plan right now to talk about what the weather is until that day. <laughs> we don't see if it's raining until that day. My guess is it's going to um, be hot. It I might be warm. It's yeah. Florida in July. <laughs> <laughs> true, 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 true. No, I love that. Um, I love the organic. Um, mm -hmm, let's yeah. meet the kids. I know that for me, That's when I. I'm starting a new school year. I always, I just feel like I can't even plan until mm -hmm. I've met everybody, and then I'm like, okay, uh, yeah. this is where I'm going. Yeah. This is what we're gonna do. There's a good yeah. thing about that. Yeah, and and again, it's like, it's this weird sort of reframing for me about mm -hmm. thinking about the familiar topics thing. It's like, it's less about using familiar topics to push a particular like structure or something like that, and more about like. My job is to equip you to be able to express yourself. Correct, right. About your familiar topics. About your familiar topics, exactly. Yeah, right. So, and a lot of times, um, to your point about like the thing about candy bars and things like that is that there's so much, there's so much value in those sorts of activities in terms of setting an environment in which they feel free to express themselves, even if it's not in the target language at first, right? Correct. So, yeah. you know, if I'm asking them like, what do you think are, um, 
what do you think are the best fast food restaurants, just for an example? Like, they're going to start saying a bunch of things in English, but then it gives me an opportunity to reframe for them. Mm -hmm. Because in a real-world scenario, whether it be them going somewhere or whether it be them receiving someone who's, who only speaks French or something like that, right. they want to talk about, like, where they go and what they do. Mm -hmm. Those are the actual things that they, that they can use. And importantly, then later on, when we're like, okay, this is a larger conversation about food and meals and yeah. what they mm -hmm. mean. And, you know, and they already whether have or not people base. have access to them. They have a base. That's also a connecting to. I was say, that's also like a, that's a safe place to start too. You know, it's like a very universal type of thing to have an opinion about. It's not, yeah. you know, it's not, you're not really putting yourself out there that much to talk about your favorite candy bar or your favorite fast food yeah. French fries. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. And to your point though, it's a safe place to start, but it is still exactly. a place to start yes. where you know, mm -hmm. that easily, depending on the level of the kids, but I also never underestimate, like, kids' capacity to dive into deeper things. But depending on the yeah. level of kids, that's a conversation about food deserts. That's a conversation about, you know, yep. access to, to water. That's a conversation about, you know, just about consumerism and, and mm -hmm. things like that that might be bigger than just talking about the restaurant that they like. Yep. It's like, all right, so what do you think that means that... that um there's over a billion people served at McDonald's, you know, whatever it right. is, right? Like that, um, <laughs> what restaurants do you see in this neighborhood? You know, which, how many, yeah. what's the ratio of like chain restaurants or, or fast food restaurants to, to Whole Foods in this neighborhood? Yeah. Um, yeah. Those are deeper conversations that again, are about their, their lived experiences, but give them insight mm -hmm. into the connectedness of lived experiences of other people. And importantly, a biggie for me, going back to the philosophy piece is like what we're doing in French class can and should reinforce what they're learning in other classes. And so when they're mm -hmm. able to say, we talked about this in, in social studies, like we, we just talked about redlining. We just talked about food deserts. We just talked about, you know, um, different religions in West Africa in history class. Like when they can mm -hmm. make those connections, that's the 21st century sort of thing. And, and, that doesn't have to wait until AP for kids to be able to do that, right? right? Like, we don't have to wait until right. college classes. So that's another thing I'm very much looking forward to is sort of modeling. Because I know that this is a challenge for a lot of teachers, as it continues to be a challenge for me. But how can we make this sort of thing accessible? I believe the group of kids mm -hmm. that I have are, are, are younger kids in, the, in, this, in this language lab that I'll be doing. So how do we make these conversations accessible? Um, mm -hmm. And I I do a pretty decent job of that if I may say so myself. So I'm looking forward to sharing that with teachers to say we're looking you know, forward it to watching it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I know for me, um, watching other teachers teach has been a huge part of my own development as a teacher. Um, I yeah. I always take something away from that experience, and and not even just language teachers, but just teachers in general. I don't think I've ever been in another teacher's classroom and not taken something away from that that I've been able to bring to my own practice. Absolutely. Even if it's something I know I don't want to do. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> I was hoping you would say that. <laughs> right. Like, yo, ooh, I hope I'm not, you know, right. whatever it is. But yeah. Right. I know. <laughs> the reflective piece of watching other teachers is probably the part that, you know, impacts and 
drives your own instruction later is because you know I watched that I saw this happen Mm -hmm. I want to try it myself or I don't want that to happen and I remember I need to remember not to say that or say these kinds Mm -hmm. of things absolutely Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah well without giving away your entire keynote address do you have an idea of what you uh a little teaser that you can give us yeah it's gonna be to the eight miles down track uh, <laughs> um, no, it's um, just a hot freestyle. Uh, yeah, so I, I talk a lot about, um, without giving too much away, but the urgency of this work. Um, the urgency of it and the feasibility of it, right? Like that that we we can do some things tomorrow in class. There are things that we can do um, and we kind of have to. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't want to say too much more that. than that. No, I but, love um, that. Yeah. I love leaving things on an inspiring kind of mm-hmm. kind of note, and that you know, making people think. And what can I do better? How can I yeah. do and be better yeah. when it comes to and, some of these topics? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and yes, and again, I don't want to give it all away right now, but. A biggie is I've, I've listened to so many of those speeches or been to so many of those workshops where we leave recognizing that there's an issue and we leave mm-hmm. feeling like I need to do better, but we don't always leave with, this is what I can do on Monday right. about this. A tool. Mm-hmm. A tool. And so right. a lot of my practice, a lot of my workshops, a lot of everything is about, yes, Let's do the work to acknowledge the problem and the depth of the problem and the importance of the problem and, and the, you know, the shared responsibility and all that. Mm-hmm. But also, tomorrow, try this. You know, like, we cannot just spend so much time diagnosing and problematizing. We kind of, there are things that we can start doing. And again, that that will be us modeling that lifelong learning for our kids to say like I am not mm-hmm. sure but I, I see that there's an issue and I'm excited to try this mm-hmm. thing with y'all I'm excited to learn about this as I teach and we go back and forth like that piece is super valuable so a lot of what I, I mean everything I, I do is focused on that in terms of sharing with teachers it's like go do something different tomorrow Ben we're so excited wow. that you're going to be spending the week <laughs> with us I mean we're it's going to be great and we look forward to interacting with you and watching you and uh, hearing from you, of course. And we hope that um, similarly you can, you know, speak to, to what we're doing and give us guidance and insight and just feedback about our conference. And we just really want to help teachers be able to leave, like you said, with something ready to go right away that mm-hmm. they can, that they can do. Well, um, I have one last question for you. (laughs) Talk to me. All right. So I spent most of my career in Pennsylvania, and my husband is a huge Philadelphia fan. And I've noticed on Twitter that you are too. And I just need to know, how do you feel about this, like, getting to the big game, Eagles, Phillies? And we just had our Sixers in the in the playoffs uh, here. How do you feel about this? What 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 are we gonna do, Ben? Michelle, I'm in mourning, and I would appreciate some space in this delicate time. Yo, I get it. I get it. The the Sixers in particular, they hurt me so bad. It's like I know better than to really believe it, right? Like I know better, and yet that's exactly what my, my husband am. says. 
I know better. I don't know why I let them do this to me. But <laughs> I'm mostly just joking, but yeah. You've touched I a see, nerve. I'm not. I'm not. I touched I'm a nerve. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we will not traumatize you any further tonight, <laughs> Ben. I apologize for Michelle. So. <laughs> yeah, <rude. laughs> Well, thank you so much. I am truly looking forward to um, spending time with you this summer, and I cannot wait to see you teach. And thank you so much for taking some time out of your day today to to talk with us. It's really my pleasure tonight, and I appreciate you. I'm just so honored to be in y'all's presence and to be invited to be a part of such amazing things and all that. I'm st I still haven't gotten over the fact that, you know, y'all know my name and people care. To oh my gosh. To <laughs> so um, I'm you super honored. I'm, I'm super excited. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Well, I said you better get used to it. <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you. And thank you everybody for listening. And we hope to see you at the conference in July. Bye everybody. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.